Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 10 of 365 Days. So where we left off, they just went to Venice. Just a hop, skip and a jump from wherever the hell they were in Europe. They're in Venice and it's a film festival. And I think the Venice Film Festival is like quite a big deal, but apparently it's a masquerade ball in this reality. Because, you know, if you've got celebrities, you may as well cover up their faces. And there's no bigger celebrity than Don Massimo and his Polish girlfriend, according to the paparazzi. And Laura starts the chapter by saying, the banquet was as boring as they got. I'd organized hundreds of similar affairs. So my only diversion was to silently point out all the errors the staff was making. She worked in hotel management. Hotel management. I didn't expect her to to have organized hundreds of similar affairs as in a film festival. Has she, has she organized hundreds of film festivals? Huh. And to be at a party, just sitting around watching other people make mistakes and judging them like, what a bitch. I mean, I'm well aware that I have a podcast where I, I sit and judge other people's writing, but still to be at a party, I feel like you should just enjoy yourself. So Don Massimo's got to go have a conversation with someone. So Domenico comes and keeps Laura company. And he says, that woman in the red dress looks like a giant furball. And then they both erupt in laughter as they watch an elderly lady in a dress reminiscent of a Christmas tree decoration. So it's a, it's a red dress that looks like a furball. Like, has anyone ever seen a red furball? Not me. And it's also a Christmas tree decoration. What decoration looks like a furball? There's some confusing imagery in this book. So then after an hour of drinking and just bitching about other people's outfits, they go to the dance floor and she says the dance floor was crowded. Um, okay. What kind of film festival is this? Are they going to watch a film? They're not even going to watch a film. So she does a couple of ballroom dances and she says she's had enough. As opposed to Domenico, I was an exquisite dancer. So she's pretty much telling us that Domenico sucks at dancing. Gosh, she's a negative Nelly. She is just ragging on everyone. The staff with their errors, the lady in the red furball Christmas decoration dress, and now Domenico with his dancing. She's just critiquing everybody. So she's sick of the dance floor. And so she's moving towards her table and she had someone speaking in Polish. Yes, she had someone. It doesn't say she heard someone, she had someone. So that's a typo that just... 
went past the goalie. Her editor just strikes again with the with the laziness. This is one of those jobs where you just do a spell check and you're like, yeah, head's a word that's spelled correctly, but not in this sentence. Spell check missed that one, babes. So she had someone speaking Polish and that person is like, Laura, guess we were meant to spend the night together after all. And she turns around and it's Marek. You know, Marek from the scuba diving expedition that she had two hours ago. And she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, my company works for most hotels around here. So it's a charity ball and I'm one of the sponsors. And I was like, you're a scuba, you're a scuba diving instructor. What are you sponsoring? at the Venice Film Festival. And also you gave us no indication that you were attending this event tonight because you were just scuba diving off the coast of Croatia a couple of hours ago until sunset and you were gonna make Laura late. Laura had to rush with her glam squad to get here in time, but you you were prepared to be scuba diving all day. It doesn't make sense. Your timeline doesn't match up. So she introduces Marek to Domenico. They're like, what's up? And then she hears the string quartet get joined by other musicians and there's the sounds of an Argentinian tango. How she knows it's a specifically Argentinian tango, I'm not too sure. That's, I'm a bit unclear on that. Does a Spanish tango sound different to an Argentinian tango to, to a Paraguayan tango? Is that how you say it? Paraguayan? Whatever. Anyway, she squeals with glee because she's like, I love the tango. And Domenico's like, uh, uh, I'm not dancing with you. I suck. And so Marek is like, I've been taking ballroom dancing classes for eight years. So let's go. And so then they go and dance. And that thing happens in movies, which never happens in real life, where everyone on the dance floor notices that one couple is dancing really well. So they all make space and let them show off their dancing. Like, has that ever happened in real life? I don't think so. And she's thinking, everyone must have thought we had been dancing partners for years. No one's thinking two shits about you. No one is thinking, they're all thinking, geez, I had to step aside for these two clowns. I may as well go and get some punch. I'm not watching a film. (sighs) Like, I'm pretty sure they said film festival. (sighs) God. And then she says a couple of minutes into the song, the dance floor emptied completely. So everyone was just like, oh, we got to step back. These guys are doing such a good Argentinian tango. And then when the music stopped, the entire room burst into applause. I doubt it. And then after, you know, her triumphant moment, she notices Massimo watching and he's standing with a bunch of men and they all nod their approval, except for Massimo. His face was contorted in an ugly grimace of rage and his eyes flared with fire. So I I guess he hates the tango. I guess that's what that reaction's all about. And so then Don Massimo and Marek, the scuba diver that sponsors film festivals, they have a little moment where they look at each other and, you know, it's tense. And so then she asks Marek, hey, you know who he is? And he's like, sure, I've been living in Italy for a dozen years now. So he's like, yeah, I know Massimo. I was like, yeah, you you also met this morning. Massimo walked you up to the scuba diver. (sighs) (sighs) Laura knows that they've met, but he's like, yeah, I, I, I know him. And she's like, well, and you still dance with me like that? And Marek's like, what's he gonna do? Kill me? I don't think so. Not here anyway. And then he's chuckling. Well, yeah, he, he can kill you. He's, he's the head of the mafia. And like, 
What consolation is it that you're not going to get killed in that moment, but you'll get killed outside at a different location? Oh, he can't kill me here. Yeah, but, but he can still kill you. But Marek's just cool as a cucumber. He kisses her hand and then disappears among the tables. And then Massimo says to her, you're a great dancer that explains the range of movement in those hips in different situations. Ha ha ha, hilarious. And then a pasodoble song starts playing and Massimo says, I'll show you how to dance. And he takes off his tux jacket and then passes it to Domenico. It would have been more like captivating if he like threw it over his shoulder and did like a pasodoble move with the jacket, but he just hands it to his brother assistant. They're still brothers, right? I mean, they never mention it. So Blanca could have changed her mind midway through the book, but I'm assuming that they're still brothers, that she still knows that they're brothers. So they go back to the dance floor and she says the remaining couples on the dance floor hadn't had time to crowd the floor yet. And once they see her arrive with another partner, they left them some space. Who are all these people? And are they dancing wearing their masks? Cause it's a masquerade ball at the film festival. Fuck this book. And she's telling us that she's tipsy and so sure of herself that she's lifting the hem of her dress, revealing her leg, you know, doing the pasta doble dance. But remember, she's not wearing underwear. So I assume she's flashing the whole room. Maybe that's why people are standing back because they can see her vagina. So then the music stops. The whole crowd roared with applause. Far out. Then they walk off the dance floor and Domenico's passing him his jacket. I'm glad we're keeping tabs on the jacket. And then she says they took a French leave then. So I guess that means they, they left without saying goodbye. I thought that was an Irish goodbye, but, but she's saying it's a French leave. You know how she likes to, to stereotype different nationalities. So maybe it's a French leave. But then on the way out, some woman says marvelous show in English. And so he turns around and it's this beautiful woman with blonde hair. She's got long legs. Legs that end around the level of her first rib. So, okay, that's some long legs. And she had gorgeous fake breasts and an angelic face. I love that Laura just knows if breasts are fake or not. And this woman's like, so you found her, huh? And she says, her accent told me she was British. She always describes Massimo as having a British accent. And Massimo was Italian. So just because she has a British accent doesn't, necessarily mean that she's British. She could be Italian, but no, Laura is just, just the queen of accents. And she's like, yep, this is a British person. And she says, I'm Anna, Massimo's first and true love while shaking Laura's hand. And Massimo's just like, I don't have time for this. And he says, we're in a hurry, forgive us. And then he walks away with, with Laura in his hand. So they're walking away, but then she looks back and she sees the blonde still standing there spewing words in Italian. So I guess she's yelling at Massimo and Massimo's like, "Ugh!" so he goes back to talk to her and he's keeping his face carefully impassive, even though I assume his back's to Laura's face. So I don't know how she knows that, but he replies something in Italian. She thinks a couple of sentences, maybe. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. What else is he saying in Italian? He's not reciting poetry. He said something in Italian, a couple of sentences, perhaps. Yes. That's generally what speech is. And so then they walk away again and they go into an elevator, go into the top floor. So I guess it's a hotel room that they're staying at. And as soon as they get in the door, without even turning the lights on, he starts making out with her. You know, the kisses were quick and hungry as his tongue slid into her mouth, that whole stuff. But she's like not in the mood because she's like, who's this British person, (laughs) allegedly British person, 
And so she's not sort of kissing back. And then finally he realizes that something's wrong. So he stops and then turns the lights on. And she crosses her arms and he says, Jesus Christ, Laura, she's the past. And she's like, well, I'm aware you had women before me. That's perfectly all right. But I'm interested in what she said that made you decide to go back. And also why was she so angry? It's like, Laura, you got kidnapped by this man. Is it really that far-fetched to think that he might've burned a few other people before you? Lots of crimes and misdemeanors going on imaginably. And he's like, well, it's all very new to Anna. And she's like, how new? And he says, I left her the day you landed in Sicily. And she's like, wow. And she thinks, well, that explained a lot. And he's like, hey, in my defense, paintings of you hung in the house for years. Nobody but me ever thought that we'd actually find you. But the day I saw you, I told her to leave. And so she's trying to convince herself that she doesn't feel threatened because she doesn't actually care about Massimo. But you can tell she's pissed. So she's like, it's none of my business. I'm here because I have to be. And each day brings me closer to my birthday and my freedom, which is a bit of a jab at him being all like, you kidnapped me and told me I had to be with you for 365 days or you'd kill my family. And that's the only reason I'm with you, which is fair enough. Like, don't fall for your captor. You're not Belle. And so his jaw's working rhythmically. His jaw is always working rhythmically and I don't know what it means. I assume he's chewing gum. So Massimo gets up, he goes to the door and he says, she told me she'll kill you to take away the thing that I cherish the most, just as I have taken it away from her. God, that's dramatic. What an unrealistic plot point that this woman is just so enamored with Massimo that as soon as she gets dumped, she's like, well, I'll just kill your new girlfriend. Like that's not normal. That's not a normal gut reaction. And she's all like, excuse me, you're not gonna leave after telling me that. And then she realizes that he's only opening the door so he can put the do not disturb sign on the door. And she's like, silly me. What a classic miscommunication. And he says that dance today was the most electrifying foreplay I have ever experienced. Um, how so? Like I've read about you guys blowing each other in a cockpit tying her up while you bang a prostitute next to her. She was pole dancing in front of you and you shut a guy's hands off. None of that was more electrifying than a pasodoble. I mean, a pasodoble, that's an erotic song. We've all been turned on by a pasodoble, but the most electrifying foreplay ever, ever. I don't think so. And he says, that does not change the fact that I really wanted to kill that annoying little Pollack when I saw him touching you. He knows who I am. Yes, because you met on the boat this morning. And also Pollack. So she's, she's just trying to offend every nationality in this book. She's just working her way through continental Europe. And she's like, I heard you can't actually kill him. And he says, unfortunately, you're right. A pity. Why can't he kill him exactly? The, the scuba diving instructor sort of indicated that he couldn't be killed. Does, does he have his own mafia connections? Is the scuba diving a front for a bigger international crime syndicate? If so, why is he, why is he instructing scuba? And if Massimo knows that, because he says, unfortunately, you're right, why is he hiring this scuba diving company? I don't get it. But then he wraps his muscular arms around her and hugs her. And she's like dumbfounded because he's never hugged her before, which is sad. And he says, I love you. I can't fight it. I've loved you long before you showed up here. I've dreamt about you, blah, 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 blah. And so then she looks at him and she says, Massimo, honey, why did you have to fuck it all up so badly? Not sure what that means, but she collapses to the rug next to him 
and she starts crying, thinking about how wonderful it would be to have met him in different circumstances where she wouldn't be his prisoner, where all the threats and blackmail wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, that is the ideal. I don't think anyone who's fallen in love through blackmail has has ever not regretted the act of blackmail. Like if we could all choose to fall in love naturally, that is preferable to kidnapping. And so he says, make love to me. And she didn't expect that. I guess because he's using the flowery language, like make love to me. And then she says, you know what? I've never made love to anyone. I only fucked and I liked it, but no man has ever taught me how to make love. So you might be disappointed. Um, like, okay, okay. Making love and having sex is essentially the same thing physically. So I don't know why she thinks she doesn't know how to do it. It's not like you need a manual. And also she's, she's never made love. So poor Martin, she really wasn't in that relationship with Martin for, for the right reasons. And like, she just had a realization about how she wished she wasn't kidnapped, but I think we're just skipping over that. And he's like, oh, you're so vulnerable with me. I haven't seen you like this before. It's going to be a first time for me too. Is this meant to be romantic? Because it's not reading romance. And she's like, well, all you have to do is ask. Just say, please, you don't have to command. And he's like, all right, well, please stay with me. And then he's laughing. And she's like, not a problem. I feel like I'm missing something in translation here because I'm not tracking this conversation at all. Oh, and then he took off his jacket and hung it over the backrest of the armchair. Just so we all know what's happening with his jacket. And so he must go off to the bathroom or something because she's left by herself and she's like, with him gone, the only thing left for me to do was to scan my surroundings. So she's only now looking around the room. What a bizarre person to not notice what room she's in until she's alone in that room. Like, yeah, you just had a whole conversation. You're sitting on the rug. You can look around you. You can notice the armchairs and the drapes and the terrace and all that bullshit, but she's only noticing it now. And then she's like, oh, wait, I've got a couple of pounds of fake hair on my head. Remember from the gay glam squad. So she starts pulling out the fake hair and then she's wildly looking around for somewhere to to hide the hair. Cause I guess she's embarrassed. And so she thinks the rug exclamation mark. So she sits up and she stuffs the hair under the rug. So she's literally sweeping it under the rug, just like she's doing with the kidnapping and the crimes and misdemeanors. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's an expression, sweep it under the rug, but no one ever actually does hide things under a rug. It's going to be a lumpy rug. And like, it's just fake hair. What are you ashamed of? He hired the glam squad to do you up. Just put it in the bin. There'd be a little waste basket. Just shove it in the bin. Sweeping it under the rug? What? Like, why is this even in the book at all? This isn't real life. Blanca contrived this problem to come up with this solution for what narrative purpose? What? Why is this in the book? Anyway, then she's lying on top of the rug and then she hears Massimo say, close your eyes. And so she, yeah, she rolls onto her back on the rug and she doesn't know what position to take. So she puts her hands on top of her chest with the fingers knitted. And he's like, you look like a body in a coffin that way, Laura. (laughs) So she looks like a corpse. I guess he wouldn't have even noticed if you had extensions in your hair or if you left the extensions on the coffee table because you look like a corpse. And she's like, I'm not here to talk about death, which I guess is banter. 
You look like a body in a coffin. And she, she goes, I'm not here to talk about death. Who is? And so they start undressing each other and she opens her eyes fully because I guess she had her eyes shut and she sees a stunning vista. So they're on the terrace of the top floor of a hotel and they can see most of the island of Lido. And the terrace is enormous. It has a private bar, a jacuzzi, a few chaise lounges. So just a few <laughs> on this enormous terrace, just a, just a few chaise lounges and a canopied gazebo with a bed inside. Oh, okay. So the bed's on the terrace. So he takes a dress off and he's like, you're not wearing underwear again. And he's like, but you didn't know I was going to be here. So you didn't do that for me. And she's like, well, let me tell you, I've got this thing about panty lines and I didn't want a visible panty line and the design of the dress shows off my snatch. She doesn't actually go into that, but you can tell she wants to explain, but she just leaves it at like, oh, when I put the dress on, I thought you'd picked it for me. I didn't realize I was going with Domenico. So then she pulls his pants down, revealing an impressive erection. She's always impressed. It's not the first time she's seen it. Won't be the last time, but every time she's impressed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And she's like, well, where are your boxes? And he shrugs. So they're both not wearing underwear. Thrilling. So then she says, slowly I reached around his hips, placing my hand on his buttock and pulling him towards me. I was only inches away from his penis now. As opposed to what? How far away were you from it before? So she kisses the tip of his impressive erection. uh, And he grew steel hard and swollen. Again with the swollen dick. And so that, okay. I sometimes like to gloss over the sex scenes because I mean, it's gross. 
And my mum's a Patreon subscriber and I don't think she listens, but I mean, if she does, I've got to err on the side of caution. But she says she's, she's going down on him. She says, I pulled away and pushed back at him, played with it, kissed it and bit it until I felt the sticky fluid seeping down my throat. She bit his penis. Now, the number one cardinal rule of oral sex is don't use teeth. What's she thinking? She bit his dick? Ouch. But apparently he likes it. Apparently it did the trick because of the sticky fluid seeping down her throat. So they go into the jacuzzi, he steps inside and then sits her down astride himself. And then we've got another typo. With his eyes looking deep into mine, me brushed his lips against the skin of my face and neck. So I think that's meant to say he brushed his lips against the skin of her face and neck. Or she just talks like Jaja Binks now, like Misa brushed his lips against the skin of my face. Me brushed. So another classic typo. Oh, and then he's like kissing, playing with the nips, blah, blah, blah. And then he suddenly slid his finger to a place that she hadn't really felt appropriate if they were to make love, AKA her butthole. And he's like, don't be afraid, baby girl. Do you trust me? And she nods because, you know, why wouldn't you trust the guy that kidnapped you and has played all these mind games and, and, and dumped the girl downstairs in the hotel lobby who's threatened to kill you? He dumped her just a couple of weeks ago. But now she trusts him. This guy with a temper who shot someone's hands off, killed a guy in a driveway. She trusts him. She's really forgetting about the driveway incident. She was very affected by that. And then she got over it super quick. Maybe because she can't see the driveway. She's only aware that he killed someone when she's at the driveway and in the presence of the driveway. So over in Venice, looking out at the island of Lido, she's fine. And then he's lifting her and steadily but carefully impaling her on his phallus. You know, just a casual impaling in a jacuzzi. I'm not sure if, if the impaling is in, is in her front hole or a back hole or the middle hole or what, what hole it is. She doesn't specify, but I think it's implied that it's still the, the butthole. Anyway, she's enjoying it. She's, she, she's delighted. And she says, he was impaling me harder and harder and the water sloshed around the walls of the jacuzzi to the rhythm of his stroking hips. What a vivid image. That is just too vivid. Oh, okay. And then with his free hand, he's, he's rubbing her, her um, other region. So yeah, he is, he is in the butt. Oh, but then there's a finger exploring her anus. So I don't know what's going on. I really, really don't know. Um, but it seems like she's really copping it. It was like pushing a red button deep inside her. So what, whatever he's doing, she's enjoying. Oh, and then she's saying one more slide, another finger into me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, and then his teeth are biting on her lips because you know, they're, they're biters. They're a couple of biters. And he's like, oh, Laura, you're so blah, blah, blah. And then she does that, that climax thing. And then he waited until she was calm and then carried her to the bed. So they're out of the jacuzzi. And she says, I was only semi-conscious when he pressed his body to mine and entered me again. Now that's a dark little sentence, isn't it? She was only semi-conscious when he had sex with her. Doesn't sound consensual. Sounds pretty creepy. I guess, I guess it wakes her up because she's writhing and moaning and her nails are biting into his back. So even the nails are biting. They're a couple of biters. 
Oh, oh, and then she says my kisses on his neck were greedy and I bit his shoulders. Way too much biting. Way too much. I'm reading New Moon for the public feed and there's not that much biting in a vampire book. And this one, it's just Bite City. And so then he says, I love you, Laura, as she felt a wave of hot seed spilling inside her. Hot seed spilling. Like, this is just the worst book. And then he collapses on her and she's like, you're heavy (laughs) and your cock is perfection. And he laughs and rolls over and he says, I'll take it as a compliment, baby girl. How else would you take the sentence? Your cock is perfection, if not as a compliment. It's certainly not an insult, but no, he's going to take it as a compliment. What a dumb book. And she's like, yeah, trying to get up. She's like, "Ah, I got to go wash myself. And he pulls her back like onto the embrace. And he's like, I can't agree to that. And so he just grabs a box of tissues from the nightstand. And she says, just as in the airplane, when he had first tasted my pussy, he gently wiped me clean before covering me with the duvet. What a beautiful image. And then she says they lay in bed talking until the sun came up, which I find a bit ridiculous because she was fallen asleep just not that long ago when she was semi-conscious and he he still had sex with her. But no, they, they stayed up till the sun came up. And he told her all about how he felt growing up in a mafia family, the beauty of an exploding Etna and his favorite dishes. And then they order breakfast as they watch a new day begin. And he's like, what one is it today? And she's like, what are you talking about? It's Wednesday. And he's like, no, which day? And she tries to count in the head, but she's like, I don't know. I stopped counting. It's just so crazy for a book to be called 365 days to not actually give us like a countdown. Give us like an an idea of what day we're at. Start the chapter by saying day 289. Like orient me in the progress of this timeline. But even the characters don't know. They're like, meh, doesn't really mean anything. But also it's, it's until her next birthday. So just look at a calendar and do the maths. So then he gets up to the terrace railing and he's still naked and he's like staring out at the view and she's staring at his buttocks, which were beautifully toned, small and shapely. Is it a good thing to have a small butt? I always thought like in this day and age, like a, a, like a big peach, like a nice juicy cake. That's what people want. They want cake. They want peach. They want wop. That's what the kids are saying in the hip hop music. But no, he's got a small butt and she likes that. And he's like, do you want me to set you free? He's like, I'm, I'm taking a great risk now, but I, I can't enjoy your presence when I know I'm making you unhappy. So if you'd like to leave, you can go back to Warsaw. I could get you there today. And she's like, hell yeah. So she's filled with joy and a wide smile appears on her face. And that's when Massimo turns cold. And he's like, well, Domenico will take you to the airport then. And so he's like upset that she doesn't want to be kidnapped, which is a, which is an odd reaction. And so she's happy. She's thinking, oh, I get to go back. And she's jumping to her feet. She's running inside, but Massimo's already left. And then she says, all the events of last night flashed before her eyes like a frantic movie. So we're finally watching a movie at this Venice Film Festival. It's just the movie of her life flashing before her eyes. And then her eyes are watering and she's like, oh, I feel like I've lost something. My heart aches. Was it possible I had fallen in love with Massimo? So she heads to the terrace to pick up a dress and it's so crumpled she couldn't possibly wear it. Also maybe because it's a skimpy evening gown and it's 10 a.m. But she runs to the bedroom and calls reception, asking to be connected with Domenico's room. 
And so when he picks up the phone, she's already crying and she says, please come to me. She does call him the young Italian in between all of that. And I was gonna skip over it, but I think it does bear repeating that she's still calling him the young Italian, even though he's probably 60 days older than he was previously. And so then we get a paragraph break and she hears, Laura, can you hear me? And she's opening her eyes groggily and Domenico's sitting next to her with some vials of medicine on the table and an elderly man sitting next to the bed. And she's like, what happened? And he's like, yeah, this is a doctor. He took care of you when I couldn't find your pills. What do you mean you couldn't find her pills? Why would she have pills? She didn't pack a bag. She's only got one evening gown. She's not bringing a toiletry bag with her pills. Also, what are the pills for? What is this heart condition? And she's like, where's Massimo? She doesn't ask, why is there a doctor here? What pills are you referring to? Cause I'm not quite clear on that. Like, does she know she has a heart condition? It's, ugh. Anyway, she only cares where Massimo is. And Domenico's like, it's noon, he left. And she's feeling nauseous. And she's like, I gotta talk to him right now and get me some clothes. And Domenico's like, yeah, the boat's waiting downstairs. I've got some of your things. We can go as soon as you're ready. So she runs towards the closet. She grabs a white Victoria's Secret tracksuit. <laughs> How chic. And she's in such a hurry, but she glances at the mirror and she's still got yesterday's makeup on her face. And she goes, I said, I didn't care about how I looked, but that would be too much. So she takes a minute and she wipes the makeup off, (laughs) even though half of it's tattooed onto her skin, but she wipes the makeup off. She's always got time to do a quick mirror check before leaving the house. So then she hops onto a motorboat, which was too slow, despite ripping through the waves at maximum speed. And then an hour later, they're at the Titan. And she's like, finally. And she didn't wait until they were moored. So she skipped to the deck of the yacht immediately. So she's just hopping from boat to boat. And then she's running around the yacht, opening all the doors, which is a labyrinth of a ship, by the way. And she can't see Massimo anywhere. So she falls onto the sofa and she's crying. And Domenico says, an hour ago, the helicopter took him to the airport. He's got a lot of work now. Okay, Domenico, you couldn't have mentioned that on the one hour boat ride to the Titan. You let her get off the Titan and start opening all these little doors wildly, just checking every room on the fricking mega yacht. And you knew that he was already in a helicopter. You couldn't have mentioned that earlier at the hotel. Domenico, you're a bit of a prick. And she's like, does he know I'm here? And he's like, I don't know. He left his cell phone in the room. I can't call him. And so she's crying and she's like, what am I to do now, Domenico? So the young Italian hugs her and strokes her hair. What is going on? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never been in such a situation. We just have to wait for him to call. And she's like, I need to go back. And he's like, to Poland. And she's like, no, Sicily, I'll wait for him to return. So she wants to, to be with him. That's, that's what I'm, I'm getting from this little hissy fit. And she's like, may I? And he's like, well, yeah, as far as I know, nothing's changed with the situation. And she's like, well, let's pack up our things and get to the island. So then she says she slept through most of her journey with the help of sedatives. I was like, what what was with the doctor and your your pills and the fainting? She's certainly fainting a lot. I'm starting to think she does have a heart condition, but she's not bothered by it. And she's just having all these sedatives on a little flight to Sicily, which shouldn't take that long. And then when the plane lands at the airport in Catania. She says she felt like she was returning home. This is full Stockholm syndrome. We're in Stockholm syndrome territory right now. And she's looking at the slopes of Mount Etna. And the only thing she could think of was Massimo telling her stories from his childhood, which was like four hours ago. Oh my God. And then 
Speaking of the driveway, she says, we entered the driveway. I noticed it didn't look like last time. The stones had been replaced with dark gray ones and the drive was lined with new bushes and flowers. I barely recognized the place. And so she's confused and she's doing a double take thinking, are we in the right spot? And Domenico says, Don Massimo ordered it all to be replaced during our trip. So he actually replaced the driveway so she wouldn't be triggered. (laughs) And remember that time he shot someone. What a circuitous way to deal with the trauma of her seeing him kill someone. And you can bet she's touched. Oh my God, what a ridiculous, ridiculous move. Let's replace the whole driveway. Ridiculous. So then she just spends the next few days in bed. Sometimes she goes to the beach. Domenico tries to make her eat, but she's like, no, I'm not eating anything. And so Massimo had put a TV in her room that has Polish TV. And so she watches that. And sometimes she even watches the Italian channels, but she still understood next to nothing. It's time to get a Duolingo. I've said it before, but you really need to start learning the language if you're going to be living in Sicily. At your own free will at this point. And then she says all local tabloids and websites publish the photo from the banquet where the man in black, uh, just say Massimo, where the man in black kissed her on the seafront. And they were all captioned, who is the Sicilian Patante's mysterious new companion? And most articles also mentioned her dance skills. Okay, let's break it down. So the paragraph before she says she tried watching the Italian channels, but she still understood next to nothing. And the exact next paragraph, she's saying she read the local tabloids, local implying Italian. And she says they're all captioned. Who is this Sicilian patentes? What's a patente? I don't know. Mysterious new companion. And they mention her dancing skills. So she can read. She can read Italian. Don't know when that happened. I guess that just happened. Or she's reading English language tabloids about Italian mobsters, which I think is even more unbelievable. So days passed and she's like, well, I better get back to Poland. So she asks Domenico to pack up only those things she had brought with her from Warsaw. She didn't want to take anything back to Poland that would remind her of the man in black. (sighs) What? And so she goes online and she finds like a studio apartment in the outskirts of Warsaw and rented it. You can just rent an apartment from another country online. Like you don't have to have a check or anything. So then the next morning she gets woken up by her alarm. She turns on the TV and she's thinking today's the day that she's going to go to Poland. And Domenico opens the door and sends her a sad smile. And he says, your plane leaves in four hours. I'll miss you. And she says, oh, I know, me too. And then she's crying. And then she's watching the TV, skipping the channels, settles on some news. And then, okay, I know she's just said she had Polish TV. So I'm going to assume this is the Polish TV because she can understand it. And so the news is saying the head of the Sicilian mafia was shot in Naples. The young Italian, (laughs) not Domenico, the young Italian was widely considered one of the most dangerous dot, dot, dot. I guess, yeah, Italian mobsters make Polish news. So she storms out of the bathroom, looks at the screen, and there's a montage of scenes from an incident. And there's two body bags and a black SUV. Two body bags, unclear who's in the second body bag. And she can't breathe. She feels like there's a sharp pain stabbing her heart. She falls to the floor unconscious. Another chapter ending with a little fainting spell. And that's the end of the chapter, yeah. But like, no one really believes that Massimo's dead. I don't believe it. I guess she believes it. I'm more confused about why Polish TV is reporting on the head of the Sicilian mafia. 
Don't you have your own mafia in Poland that you need to worry about? Ridiculous book, ridiculous book. Um, and I'll see you next week for, uh, oh, I guess the big reveal that he's not really dead. Like we know he's not really dead. We're halfway through the book. Of course he's not dead. Ugh. See you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.